0: That time, the Sports Talker,
1: here's T.J. Walker. I bet you're not used to hearing that intro here at 4 o'clock. Usually we're playing the Villbillies on the way out at this time, but a new time for the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. It's going to be, things are a little different around here. Uh, we're going to, here, here's what's new. We're The time, obviously, 4 o'clock, we'll be going to 5.30 now. So the old hour show is gone. We're doing an hour and a half. It's March Madness. There couldn't be a better time of the year to expand the show, allow uh, me to have more time to talk sports, allow you to tweet in, call in, do what you need to do uh, to let me to, to talk together, get your opinions out there. That's what's new. It's still going to be Monday through Friday, uh, but it's a different time. Four to five thirty. So when you're on your way home from work, you can tune in, and we're gonna we're gonna go a little bit longer. Uh, that's what's new. As you all know, uh, Yates unfortunately no longer with 1450 the Sports Buzz had to move on. We'll miss him. On uh, going forward, we're gonna have Trevor working the board. He, that's not gonna uh, be the case today. And if anybody knows Trevor, he had the show after me at four. Uh, he's very talkative, very opinionated. So moving forward, we'll have him weigh in with a, a Yates role. Although he's uh, again a little bit more talkative than Yates. Yates was very—he uh, believed in quality of words and not quantity. Trevor, Trevor, you get a little bit of both. So those are some of the new changes here on the Sports Talker 1450, the Sports Buzz. We're not going anywhere. Shows are a show is is here to stay. Just at a new time. I hope that doesn't uh, – I hope you all can follow along despite it being an hour later. And it's going to be new for me too. Uh, again, I, I throughout this process, when I first got this show, uh, I had done radio before obviously and I, uh, I've done over 200 Cats Illustrated podcasts now. But I've never done radio truly by myself. So uh, as you all transitioned with me then, hopefully you can transition with me now, adding an additional 30 minutes to the show as we as we go forward uh what else does does this mean for the show we're probably going to have guests again as you remember back in maybe the first nine months of the sports soccer it was uh if not a daily occurrence every other day uh we'd have a guest on but then it got to a point especially when football season started to come around where an hour show really wasn't long enough to be able to have all you all weigh in and read your tweets and texts as they came into the show and an occasional phone call uh There wasn't enough time to do all that, me be able to say what I needed to say, and then have a guest on as well, which usually takes up a segment. So the good news is we can now – I feel more comfortable having guests. We have enough time. It it is always good to get other opinions, further outside opinions, have that discussion, have that debate. Uh, So going forward, we're going to try to do more of that. So that's the plan, and that's what we're going to try to do. Uh, and today we have one, uh, Alex Which of catsilishrated.com. Oops, excuse me, that's my fault. Uh, Alex Fortner of Cats Illustrated.com will be joining us uh, later in the show today. So that's some of the new changes uh, with 1450 The Sports Buzz. And the, our show will lead directly into Nick Coffey's Inside the Press Box. Ah, uh, so you, you now have a, a solid three hours of programming here on 1450 Sports Bus. So if you're a UK guy, you can you can listen to my show. Obviously, uh, <clears throat> I like to think I'm I'm unbiased, and uh, and I do I do like talking Louisville from time to time. But it is a, a little bit more of a focus on UK because again, I work for CatsIllustrated.com, and then after an hour and a half, it's a little bit more of a focus on UofL, and obviously uh coffee loves talking about his cards but he's he's pretty unbiased too and he can talk um he he knows what he's talking about when he's talking about uk as well so should be a good time i look forward to cats 34 0 let's jump right into it instead of talking about the changes and what's going to be uh new the the way i see it the additional time is going to just give me more clock to talk about game of thrones when that time comes uh but but for now i guess we're stuck talking sports Brackets come out, a huge weekend of college sports. Uh, Kentucky wins the SEC tournament, conference play, tournament play, comes to an end, uh, and then the brackets come out. And now this is what the whole season builds up to this week, the following week, and into the Final Four, into the national championship. And now we know every team's road. If Louisville's going to make a run, we know who they're going to have to go through. If Kentucky's going to continue this undefeated road this shriek to 40 and no we know who they're going to have to go through and it's the best time of the year if you're not enjoying it uh, then maybe sports aren't for you and especially here in the Louisville Kentucky area and and weather's great this is just the you you can go outside and almost just feel that it's it's the right time of the year I was out driving around today and and went and got lunch and the amount of people wearing Louisville Kentucky stuff uh, the cards don't play today Kentucky doesn't play today, but everybody knows what time of the year it is, and people are gearing up, they're anxious, they're excited, and I am too. Uh, with, with Louisville hosting the first and second, really the second and third, but I refuse to call it that, with those games here in town, I think this week is going to be a little crazier uh, in this part of the area, and that's hard to imagine because right now nerves and uh, are running wild. I think it's going to be a little wilder. I remember 2012, and it was kind of a circus downtown, and it's going to be a lot like that this week. Uh, so I hope you're enjoying it. I hope you're enjoying it, and, and I hope that you're in bracket pools and you, you soak it all in. Uh, you know, I'm not encouraging that you should go out and gamble a, as much as possible, but participate in the March Madness. Have some fun with it because it just goes by too fast. It really does. And just a little bit over a month, college basketball season's over. We're going to be recapping everything and then eventually getting into previews and uh, Midnight Madnesses way now in October. It all leads up to this, and we're here. Uh, So buckle up for the next few weeks. First, let's talk about the SEC tournament, the SEC championship game. Kentucky got uh, an incredible break being able to play Auburn. Auburn upsetting uh, a few teams to get to that SEC semifinal game. That was big for Kentucky. Just I, again, I don't know if they would have played, you know, if they would have played Texas A&M, whoever they would have played in that game, I don't think they would have beaten Kentucky, but I really think having the chance to play Auburn then and there made the Arkansas game easier. Uh, and Maybe is going to make next week easier, depending on how much you want to, how much stock you want to put in to a team having to play forty minutes three days in a row. That kind of gave UK a break, and not that they took that game lightly, not that they took plays off, but it, it did allow them to not have to worry about being beaten. Not that I don't know if they ever do that. Period. Uh, so I think that was the the most important storyline of the weekend, unless you want to maybe consider Dick Vitale kissing Ashley Judd on the lips. One of the bigger storylines, which was strange to me. I'm sure you all saw the picture. I, I, I guess it was before the SEC championship. It could have been after, uh, but the, the the Lexington Herald Leader, I believe it was, or it might have been UK Athletics. They snapped a picture of, of Dick Vitale leaning in and kissing Ashley Judd. And I don't, I I like Dick Vitale. I, I think he's he's good for college basketball. But if you can look at that picture and not feel uncomfortable kudos to you that's that was weird that was weird and, and i'm surprised it hasn't been made a bigger deal uh kind of going from the storyline that old old men can kind of get away with doing other things what if that was a young and up up and comer broadcaster that kish ashley jot on the lips would it have been a bi- a bigger deal i'm sure it would have uh that made me really really uncomfortable it and Captain Arctic tweets it and says, just talking about it makes me cringe. And I'm doing. I'm if you could see me talking right now, if there's some simulcast, I I'm cringing. It really, really uncomfortable. And and, and Ashley Judd, who sticks up for women's rights and uh, to all people to do it to, that's the wrong one. And she played it off to her credit. Uh, she talked about how the emotions were high, and I think even later she took a picture of kissing Dick Vitale on the cheek. So she seemed okay with it. I didn't think that was going to be the case. I thought that might have blown up in Dick Vitale's face, and Ashley Judd maybe wouldn't have been okay with it because she doesn't even look she doesn't look comfortable in the picture. She's trying to lean away. I don't know. Maybe if he was going in for a kiss on the cheek, and maybe he she was going in for a kiss on the cheek, and they went for the same kiss. That kind of reminds me of you know what you did in sixth or seventh grade when talking to girls. Uh, not not me, but that was the you know what people would do i didn't have to i didn't have to try to trick them but kidding it's a joke uh but they maybe maybe it's from miscommunication on the kiss and where they were supposed to go but as you have it uh, it made for one awkward picture one awkward moment and, and i don't know i don't know Kyle Meredith tweets in and says, Congrats on the move and the extra half hour. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, it it's weird. It really, it's still, I don't know when I'm going to get used to it per se, uh, but it's, I'm used to doing three to four, kind of building my day around that, getting my work done that I've needed to do before then, and then having after four to kind of, uh, you know, get off an hour early for typical nine to fivers. Uh, but to be able to go do my own thing, Uh, go do what I need to do now everything's going to get pushed back a little bit and that's fine Uh, it's going to take some getting used to but I'm I'm very thankful and grateful that I was given an extra 30 minutes I I think that speaks to what we've been able to build here on the Sports Talker Uh, the 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 following that we've been able to build it's not where we want it to be and 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 hopefully this extra half hour in a better time slot uh, because four to five thirty is is slightly better time slot than three to four is uh, but hopefully we can we can go a little bit further in this. And again, very grateful and thankful for the opportunity. Uh, Captain Arctic says, "Won't be long till we are asking for two hours." We'll see. It's uh, you know, I'm I'm 24. I've been doing radio by myself now for a little over a year. Uh, the The first hour back in the day was hard enough. An hour and 30 minutes. Again, not in March. March. If I can't talk an hour and 30 minutes, then I need to get out of this profession uh but but we'll we'll see when it gets to be may june july the dog days of summer then we'll see if I can do an hour and 30 minutes and if I can do it then 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 maybe in the future if it grows we can uh, maybe talk about 2 hours but I'm I'm a little ways away from that but happy to have the additional 30 uh, rob Blackhawk tweets in says big Vitel should have used a little less tongue it it, it 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 almost looks like an open mouth kiss given the picture Again, I think there had to be some miscommunication. I can't imagine Ashley Judd being, com- and maybe maybe it wasn't as bad as it did. Maybe that picture just caught them at an angle. Maybe it was a little bit more than she. I, it, but it, it, I, I'm trying to try to spin ways so I'm not going to have nightmares. It it looked like an open mouth kiss. It looked like Ashley Judd didn't want it. She was backing away a little bit, uh, and Dick Vitale was certainly the aggressor there. Well, well, it, it, and Captain Art brings up another good point. Ashley Judd is hitting all cylinders right now. Weight loss has her looking exceptional. I was saying that during the weekend as well, and they show her a ton. And it's around this time of the year when she starts to get a ton of camera time. And, I, and I'm not going to say she's a, a, a bandwagon fan, but if you're going to, if you're busy and you've got stuff going on and you don't live in Lexington, when are, when are you going to make your pilgrimage to watch Kentucky basketball? Are you going to do it in November? Or are you going to do it in March? Maybe she can do it all around. Would be, I guess, the only uh, the counter argument. But I don't, you know, I don't care if she's a bandwagon fan or not. If she wants to go to the games, good for her. If they want to show her on the games, good for good for TV. I, I don't blame them because she does look good. She just does not age. She doesn't age at all. Uh, so I agree that she she is looking sharp. But anyways, where were we before we 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 digressed? We were talking SEC tournament, and I was talking about how big of an advantage it was for Kentucky to get that game against. Auburn, right in the middle. The Florida game, as you saw, it was a grinded-out type of game. It was close for a little bit, and then Kentucky imposed its will. That's kind of how I thought it was going to go. Um, But then it was good to be able to have that Auburn game. And you saw against Arkansas how that was a boxing match. Arkansas, they wanted to win the game, but the way they wanted to win the game was by beating up Kentucky. They wanted to be the more physical team. They thought if they were if they were going to punch Kentucky and continue to punch punch punch, eventually maybe one time Kentucky wouldn't punch back. And if Kentucky doesn't go nine deep, maybe that does happen. There were times where players had to go out. Uh, you, Willie Collie Stein had a, a cut nose. There were several players that had to go to the bench and get treated. And if Kentucky doesn't have the deep bench that they do, maybe that works for Arkansas. But as you have it, Kentucky just continued to take their punches and eventually started hitting back a little bit. And, and Willie Colley-Stein's quote at the end of the game uh, was, was priceless to me, talking about how he he, he, w- he wouldn't say Arkansas. And I don't know if he did that on purpose. I, I'm guessing he did because I don't think you can say that team so many times without it being clear that you're not going to say the team's name. But he continued to say, we don't like that team. Uh, they, 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 Arkansas talked trash to Kentucky. In the locker room after the semifinal games or in the in the hallway to the locker room after the semi semifinal game, it was very clear what Arkansas wanted to do. They wanted to play bully ball, they wanted to get in UK's head and and credit to Kentucky for finding a way to win. We've how many times have we talked about on the show this Kentucky team? The reason I think the reason I didn't think they were going to lose, if you would have asked me at the beginning of the year, would they go 34-0 heading into the tournament? I would have said no way. But as they got through the non-conference schedule, I pointed out the games that they, that they could lose, and every time I said it, I thought they were going to win them. So I don't want to say I predicted UK going undefeated, but as the season went along, I never predicted them to lose. So with that being said, one of the most impressive things about Kentucky's undefeated run-up to this point is they have seen so many different types of games. They've seen so many different styles. And, and if you want to go back to last year, they've seen – They've seen close losses, uh, and they've seen close wins. They've seen last-second shots hit. They've seen last-second shots missed. And this year, it's it was more of the same in some regards, just they haven't seen any losses. So the Arkansas game added another notch to that belt. Now they've seen a game where the other team, you had to question at times, are they trying to injure your own players? And they could see that in the tournament without a doubt. Maryland can play physical at times. They've kind of got to be clicking to get that swagger. I hate saying that word, but they've kind of got to be clicking to get that way. You, I wouldn't be surprised to see a West Virginia Bob Huggins team try to be rough and tough. That might be a style. If you know you're outmatched and outclassed talent-wise, you've got to make a decision of what can I do differently to shake things up. And one of the, way, one of the things that always pops into coaches' heads is, All right, maybe we be, maybe we be overly aggressive. So they're going to see that again in the tournament, I'm sure. I don't know exactly who it's going to be, but they're going to find a game where it's going to be maybe a bloodbath, and I don't mean Kentucky winning by 40 or 45 points, and they're probably going to see some of those games too, maybe the first-round game. But that Arkansas game was good for UK, and it showed not only that Kentucky can, can, can take those punches, can play in that type of game, but they can also just cruise to a win. It was a 15-point win, and it should have been a lot more, to be honest. that's a good Arkansas team. I can't wait for that Arkansas-UNC second-round game, assuming that both those teams to get there, which I guess is no safe assumption in March. But that's going to be a fun one. I I don't know who I'm going to pick. I like this Arkansas team. I do. But I also like UNC a lot. Those are two teams that I wanted to maybe have go far in the tournament, but you can't do that now because they're playing each other. So wrapping up this SEC tournament, it's what Kentucky needed. It's what they wanted they 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 needed they needed that matchup. They also needed maybe a little break in games against Auburn and then to play Florida back to back with Billy Donovan a great coach, a very desperate Florida team, a very desperate Auburn team. Those were those were solid wins. Now Arkansas was the game that kind of had a sweet 16, maybe a lead eight feel to it. Arkansas wasn't necessarily desperate, but you know, they if they're able to beat Kentucky in the SEC championship, they're going to celebrate that tournament title like Vandy did back in 2012, where you would have thought they won the national title. So it's important, it's significant for Kentucky to be able to find a way to win that game. And as you have it, and this is what I this is what I wanted to see, and it was funny that it, it came to fruition yesterday. Is at any point during the season when you asked. John Calipari, when you asked any of the players, or is 40-0 the goal? Is that what you're? How important is it that you all are undefeated? How much do you all talk about that? Is it in the back of your minds? And it was always the same: coach speak answer, player speak answer, trained robot answer. No, we're just worried about the next game. We don't care. We just want to win a national title. If we have a bunch of losses, it doesn't matter. Blah blah blah. But now, when you ask the players, do you want to go 40-0? You're basically asking, do you want to win a national title? So now, they have to say they want 40-0. Now, granted, they're still saying that we're going to take it one game at a time. And if you're a player or coach, well, you, you've got to take it one game at a time. If you're a fan, that's the right answer you want to hear. But now they can't deny that undefeated is on their mind. And you know it's been the entire time. Are you kidding me? I don't know what point it clicked for them that that, that hey, we can really go undefeated. I, I you know, maybe at the beginning of the year I'm sure they thought about it and talked about it because if you're a competitor, you're obviously going to to think about it, to hope for it. I'd say the moment that that actually became real for Kentucky was probably after the Louisville game. At that point you'd already completed uh, an out of conference schedule that included three uh, three wins against ranked teams. Louisville being the fourth, the road game at Louisville, tough place to play, KFC Yum Center. I think that's the game where in the players' minds, it started to click, oh, we can really do this. The SEC's not great. Most of our tough SEC games are going to be at home. We can take care of business here. I think that's when it clicked for them. But now they can't deny it. They want that undefeated record just as bad as the fans do. And now they know their road. So when we come back from this commercial break, we're going to have Alex Forkner. He was down at the SEC tournament. We're going to talk to him a little bit about that. We're going to talk to him about the tournament. It's a, it's a new, new age of the sports Stalker with TJ Walker. We, we've got more time. We're bringing the guests back, and it's March Madness. So stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We will be right back.
0: You're listening to The Sports Talker with T.J.
1: Walker on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We're back here, 1450 The Sports Buzz, the second segment on a beautiful, beautiful Monday afternoon here in the Commonwealth. Let's waste no time bringing in uh, our guest and my co-worker and my buddy, Alex Forkner. Alex, how are you? Doing pretty
0: well. Isn't it a gorgeous day out there?
1: It really is. It'd be a lot more fun being out there and and maybe doing some activities than being pent up inside and doing a little sports radio. But I'm not complaining. Yeah, don't I I,
0: complain too much.
1: I know. I, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure I'll get some time out there a little later. Alex, obviously the most important question here is: is did you see the Dick Vitale Ashley Judge, Judd, excuse me, smooch heard around the world and seen around the world and and, and felt uncomfortable about everyone around the world?
0: Uh, I, I'm really glad I didn't see it in person, but I have seen the pictures every now and then I'll be scrolling down my Twitter timeline and we'll see it. And we'll be, I mean, it just never stops being jarring after it, it sort of makes you cringe, doesn't it? It
1: really, it, it, it does. It makes you cringe. It's uncomfortable to talk about. We've already had a few people on the, on the show, uh, ask me to, to stop talking about it. Trevor in <laughs> and says, Joe, Joe, name it. Uh, was hit on a sideline reporter, and I think we all remember that very uncomfortable moment. And got taken through the woodshed. Vitell was ten mm-hmm. times creepier. I agree with that. I I, I agree that uh, what he did was was really really crossed the line. Uh, it's he's he's fun to listen to. I think he's good for college basketball, but there's there's no excusing his actions of, of that picture, right, Alex?
0: Well, I mean, Montana, you know, never made contact. Vitell like fully closed the gap. I mean, he, he really laid it on her. And it's, uh, I can only wonder how Ashley's feeling today. Uh,
1: she she seemed like a good sport at the time, but I don't know. It's something you can't take back. Once it yeah. happens, it happens. Uh, anyways, uh, but there was other stuff that went on at the SEC tournament. Maybe nothing quite as uh, scarring, uh, despite the physical play by Auburn, nothing quite as scarring as seeing. That, that picture and that moment in time. Uh, Alex, how was the atmosphere down there? Because all we heard about, all we saw were pictures of, of the Big Blue Nation surrounding Nashville, downtown Nashville, in the arena, outside the arena. Just being in that city for three or four days, uh, what can you tell us about the UK fans' presence in, in the music city?
0: Well, I mean, I mean, it was really, you know, as advertised. I mean, everywhere you went, outside the arena, Sunday afternoon, almost nothing but Kentucky fans. I think, you know, walking down towards the media entrance down uh, at the corner of Broadway, uh, maybe saw two Arkansas fans outside, so I wasn't sure there'd be any inside, but, you know, they had they had a couple rows here and there and a few sections of the arena. But, uh, I mean, other than that, it was really... All blue. Um, Arkansas fans tried to start their "Woo Pig Suey chant at one point, and you know they 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 didn't really have much of a chance because the "Go Big Blue" chant started up right again. And you know, the, every other four minutes, the Arkansas cheerleaders would take the floor and and start try to start something, but Kentucky fans wouldn't let them have that either. So, I mean, Kentucky <laughs> fans—they're not very good at sharing, as you know.
1: Well, I was talking about in the first segment how it seemed that Arkansas tried to bully Kentucky in the game. Sounds like UK fans were bullying Arkansas fans uh, throughout the throughout the stadium and, and throughout the arena. And there was somebody else I, I saw a tweet during the game, Alex, and we're speaking with Alex Forkner of CatsIllustrated.com, and, and they tweeted that, and they write for rivals, and, and they're good at what they do, but they tweeted that they don't get the hype surrounding Kentucky fans, that that they overtook the SEC tournament, and that uh, any team in the country that would be 34-0 would travel well to their conference tournament. Uh, but but this is different. Uh, you don't get – I think it was an all-time SEC attendance record high of uh, over 20,000 fans. Probably, Alex, you'd know better than me, but maybe 19,000 of those fans, Kentucky fans. This is different. This is a, a U.K. takeover, and yes, maybe the 34-0 record plays a part in it, uh, but this is a chance for people that don't get to go to the games that to 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 have Rupp Arena to travel to to Nashville to travel up maybe from Georgia or wherever they're from to see them. Was it was it louder than Rupp Arena at times? Oh, I mean,
0: without a doubt. I mean, consistent, consistently louder. I mean, there there are times as you know Rupp gets loud, you know, big time games and big time moments, but um, just consistently throughout a game during, you know, a dunk or a block, it, the, the depth level got high. And I think I think that uh the record you alluded to was the, the record for Nashville. It was like 21, I think. But, yeah, like you said, 97% of that was Kentucky fans. And I think the thing that people don't understand is even if Kentucky was, you know, had four losses going into the sec tournament it would it probably wouldn't be a whole lot different that's just how kentucky fans are they they go on the road and they they find ways to get into the arena and and i mean it's it's their favorite pastime
1: and let me ask you a little bit about the the 40 and know and the 34 and oh and and being undefeated in that sec tournament it, None of those games were particularly close. Maybe in the first half there was. Arkansas made a, a, a bit of a run in the second half to get it to nine, but they'd get no closer than that. Did it feel that the the crowd was anxious? Because I, I've talked to some U.K. fans, not any that were down in, in the SEC tournament. I haven't, I haven't heard those stories, although anytime you go down to an SEC tournament in Nashville – uh, it's a supposedly a great time, and I can speak from experience a few times, but not this year. But did you get a feel that the crowd there was maybe anxious because, despite not having a lot of close games this season, and and there's been a few, and there's been a few in SEC play, uh, I've got the I've got the sense, especially at Rupp Arena and other other arenas, that it's. A very tense crowd, just be, because the undefeated record streak. And, I, and I'm curious if you've got that sense from the crowd in Nashville before we start talking about the play. Uh, did, it, did, did they seem anxious and nervous, and knowing that history is right there on for the taking? And uh, even if the games aren't close, just how much pressure went into it?
0: You know, I, I didn't really get a sense of that, and I think it might be what you talked about earlier—the the difference in the crowds between you know, the, the clientele at Rupp Arena and the people who make it on the road to see him. I mean, there there was that, that run that Arkansas made where uh, Kentucky fans sort of quieted down when it got down to nine, but, um, I mean, it, it didn't take long for him to get loud again. So um, I, I really didn't get a sense of that. Um, you know, I think going forward, um, you might get some of that going into this when it really is if you lose you're done um but but i didn't i didn't quite feel any of that down in nashville
1: interesting uh alex forkner cats what was the most fun thing non-basketball related that you did down in nashville over the last three or four days
0: um well um hanging out with brett dawson our our (laughs) wonderful boss you know it, it has its perks so uh, we got to go get some get some good eats, some some good some good drinks. Uh, went to a place called Butcher Town Hall uh, with with some other writers and had some you know delicious uh, varieties of smoked meats and um, imbibed some some adult beverages. So so that was a lot of fun. It's a good good way to wind down after spending ten hours down in the bowels of Bridgestone Arena.
1: Yeah, that, that that sounds like a good time. And also saw that uh, you and Brett Dawson, our boss, took home a Cats Illustrated Dart Championship against some other chumps.
0: Oh, that's that's really that's true. We we were unstoppable, un, unbeatable, sort of uh, like this Kentucky Wildcats team. James Pennington, who used to write for the Cats Paws in Kentucky Forward, um, issued a challenge, and and Brett Dawson and I would not be stopped. So two and zero.
1: Took them to task. I'm glad to hear. Representing the website well, not only uh, on with your writing and your analysis, uh, but also on the dartboards. Uh, when I went to the SEC tournament, I guess this was 2013 when Kentucky was one and done losing to Vanderbilt and solidifying their spot in the NIT. I was at a bar near the – there's a bunch of bars in Nashville. If you've never been there, uh, there are I've, a bunch. I saw, I saw a couple while I was down there if you're thirsty, it's a good place to go. Uh, anyways, after the it was after one of the games, I, I, I went to a nearby bar and uh, w- met up with some friends, and uh, there was a Papa Shot. So I guess not only are there a lot of bars, there's a lot of fun activities and games to do inside the bar. There's a Papa Shot. So I was just playing with my friends and this Missouri fan. That's the best thing about the SEC tournament is you get to interact with fans of other schools. Now, when Kentucky's dominating, 80 or 90 percent of the crowd, it's a little tougher. I guess 2013, there maybe was a little bit more balance, still heavily uh, dominated by UK fans. But <clears throat> playing Papa Shot, a Missouri fan wanted to play me. We played. I, I beat him pretty badly, and he was he was very, very intoxicated. Uh, so he opens up his wallet, throws down a $20 bill, wants to play again. I tell him I don't want to play him for money because I'm a lot more sober than he is, and I and, uh, end up – he he didn't take no for an answer. We played. Uh, and, I, and I gladly ended up taking his $20 because he ended up starting to be a jerk. Uh, but a lot of fun stories like that down in Nashville and probably a lot more fun ones that people can't tell on the air. Uh, but let's talk about more about the games in the SEC tournament. Uh, Willie Cauley-Stein wins MVP. Alex, who was your MVP?
0: Um, you know, I, we cast our ballots down, uh, towards the end of the, the championship game, and, and I chose Willie Cauley-Stein as my MVP just, you know, not only what he did defensively in the second round on KT Harrell, um, holding him to one field goal after he had been really pouring it in in his first three games, but um, especially what he did in the championship game. And, you know, he talked afterwards about having a chip on his shoulder and something approved because he felt like he was snubbed for SEC Player of the Year. Bobby Portis ended up getting that. And, you know, I mean, Bobby Portis didn't play bad, but he just sort of you know, dinked and doinked his way to 13 points. I think six of those came from the free throw line, but Willie Cauley-Stein looked like the force he he's capable of being at times this season, had, you know, soared for that lob dunk in the first half on the fast break and just, just really played solid on both ends of the floor and, um, you know, looked, looked great. But, I mean, if I had to pick a close runner-up, Andrew Harrison is, you know, without a doubt, in my opinion, playing – the best basketball of his season, but also his career. You know, most consistent performer, I think, in the backcourt for Kentucky right now, shooting the ball really, really well. Um, so, I mean, that that has to be great news for Kentucky going into the tournament.
1: Yeah, that, that's who I was going to say. I, I think I probably would have given the slight edge to Willie Cauley-Stein just because he did it on both ends so consistently for three straight games. But it, I feel bad for Andrew Harrison because Willie Colley's time was so good because Andrew was great. And you're starting to see a different Andrew in terms of how confident he looks playing and how it, it doesn't. It looks like this is here to stay. It's not like he makes a good play and he's getting super pumped because he's surprised. Uh, it, it, it seems that this is what he expects to do night in and night out. Two turnovers for the sophomore guard uh, the entire weekend, the three games in the SEC tournament, just two turnovers. Crazy to think about. Uh, I, I didn't see that coming from him. He was great. Willie Cauley-Stein slightly better, and uh, as you saw, like you mentioned, against Bobby Portis. I, it seemed that Willie Cauley-Stein took it personal, and he made it clear he's not a big fan of the Hogs after the game. Uh, and then Selection Sunday happens uh, after the SEC tournament. Yates, what is there any storyline? Not even UK related. Is there any storyline that jumps out at you about that maybe surprised you on Selection Sunday, or you're intrigued to see? Is there anything that really that is eye popping to you?
0: Um, I mean, aside from UCLA getting in, that that I think that's puzzled everybody so far. Um, I mean, there there's some intriguing matchups. Most, I think, there's a lot of intriguing uh, potential second round matchups. I mean. Kansas-Wichita State could be, you know, incredibly interesting. Um, if Michigan, Michigan State gets by Georgia, which should be, you know, a physical game, they have Virginia waiting. I think Michigan State, you know, plays a style. I know they sort of gave up the ghost against Wisconsin yesterday in the Big Ten Championship, but I think they could, you know, really test Virginia. Um, let's see. Uh, I mean, potential Elite Eight meeting between uh, – wisconsin and arizona with you know kentucky perhaps waiting in the final four for one of those teams i think i mean that's looking way ahead but you know i I think i mean there there's some i don't want to say duds in this tournament because you know i mean a lot of a lot of double digit lost teams but i mean i think across the board there's there's enough intrigue uh where where i think i'll watch some games this year
1: and uh Alex, and we're speaking again with Alex Forkner. CatsIllustrated.com. You can follow Alex on Twitter at aForknerRivals. Uh, that's that's kind of how the Rivals guys do it. I'm T. Walker Rivals. He's a Forkner Rivals. We got B. Dawson Rivals. Supposedly, uh, somebody texted in and said that I called you Yates on the show. Yates used to be the guy that worked the board, uh, and this is the first show without him. So maybe. Maybe, maybe I miss them, Alex. So if I did that, I apologize. No. Obviously, I know about that. I, I, I won't hold it against you. Thank you. Obviously, I know who I'm talking to. Uh, but is there is there a team that UK could face before the Elite Eight? Now, I, obviously, Notre Dame just won the ACC tournament. They look good. They could give Kentucky some trouble. Kansas is a slightly different team. I don't. I don't think the Jayhawks should really. I, Maybe they can make that game closer, but they're not 31 points better. Is there a team that Kentucky could face before the Elite Eight, whether it's West Virginia, Maryland, Cincinnati, or or Purdue, that should worry U.K. fans in the slightest, or is it pretty much cake to the Elite Eight? Well, you know,
0: I haven't gotten to do uh, a lot of extensive scouting quite yet, but I know Purdue has, uh, I believe, two seven-footers. So, I mean (laughs) – they, they they could potentially, I mean, I don't want to say match up and equalize uh, Willie Colley and Carl, Towns, Carl Anthony Towns, but, um, I mean, they do have the size to sort of at least counter uh, that 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 power punch that Kentucky has down low. Um, I mean, West Virginia, you know, there's a history uh, with with Bob Huggins and Calipari. Uh, Bob Huggins' team knocked John Calipari's first team out of the Elite Eight that year, and so uh, and I think they played the next year, right in the in the second round. Brandon Knight's team got the better of him, of Bob Huggins that time. Um Maryland I haven't got to watch a ton of this year, but I know I mean they have they have some firepower. I know Des Wells is a good player. Um but really I mean I I can't help but anticipate Kentucky playing Notre Dame in that Elite Eight round. But uh the more that's made of that potential matchup I know a lot of national guys are or pointing to Notre Dame as a team that could challenge Kentucky, even beat Kentucky. I know some have already made that pick, but the more that's made, and I, I think Kentucky players they pay attention to that stuff. So if if they if they perceive any you know slight doubt about their chances to win a the game, they, they 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 have on their shoulder real quick. I mean, you saw in the in the regular season matchup against Arkansas, there was there was all that talk about. Arkansas being the sort of team that could hand Kentucky its first loss, and, and Kentucky players were aware of that, and they, they they wanted to they wanted to hear none of that, and they they went out and made sure that they there was no doubt Kentucky was a better team. So if if Kentucky players are listening to any of this scuttlebutt about Notre Dame being a, a potential problem for them, I think I think it bodes poorly for the Fighting Irish.
1: It'll be it'll be interesting to see, and that's the uh, like you mentioned. That's the thing about the NCAA tournament is there's no real trap game for the most part. If you're overlooking a team in the tournament, uh, you probably don't deserve to be called a champion. There's only six games you got to win, all of them. Uh, obviously, win or go home. Mega important. and I think this Kentucky team knows it. Alex, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, not Yates, Alex. I appreciate your time, and hopefully we'll get you on next week, and and we may be previewing Sweet 16 Elite Eight games uh, that we touched on today. So thanks a lot. Keep up the good work, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, buddy. Alex Forkner, CatsIllustrated.com. And and he brought up some good points uh, and about how Kentucky, if they're locked into an opponent, and, and you've seen it time after time all season long, uh, the Kansas game at the beginning of the year, the UCLA game in Chicago, the UNC game, the Louisville game. And you go, the list goes on and on, and most recently, Arkansas. Kentucky takes that stuff personally, and, and we've said all year, I've said all year at least, I think the team that, or the game that Kentucky loses is the one they're not ready for. And, again, I don't think in the tournament you can truly overlook that. Maybe in the first round you can. In the first round you could always be looking ahead to the next game, but Kentucky's playing a 16 seed. I don't think that's going to happen. And now I will say this. If, if Kentucky had to play a 16 seed, Manhattan's probably the worst one they could play. Uh, they're a team that, that loves playing for their coach. They play aggressive. They're, they're quick. I got to watch them play in their conference tournament. That would be the one team I think Kentucky would have wanted to avoid as a 16 seed. But let's not even waste our time. Let's not waste our breath. Kentucky's not going to lose that game. And the thing is, in these first two-round games, even if Kentucky wasn't a one seed, playing in Louisville changes everything. When you're going to be able to dominate the crowd like that, that changes the whole landscape of those games. Even if Kentucky is overlooking an opponent, even if the game is somehow tied in the – with 10 minutes left in the in the second half that's when the crowd comes through and that's when kentucky can get that extra spark so they're not going to lose in louisville to to the 16th seed they're not going to be the wouldn't that be something if they were the first one seed to lose to a 16 seed that would be the biggest upset in the history of sports if that were the case but then you've got cincinnati and purdue and you've got these two teams that that play in power five conferences i guess cincinnati doesn't in the aac uh but but well-known programs that that recruit well, uh, for the most part. We've got these two teams that that maybe didn't accomplish as much as they wanted during the season, but showed some flashes. Purdue's the interesting matchup for me because they do have those two seven-footers, two talented seven-footers. That would be fun for me. Uh, again, Purdue doesn't have the horses to keep up for 40 minutes, uh, but but they they do they they can match UK's front line a little bit. Cincinnati. I don't think they get by Purdue. If they do, it's a bit of a rivalry. You know you're going to have some Cincinnati fans come in. I'm sure there's going to be some fans from Lafayette that are going to make their way down uh, to Louisville. That, that Those those games are going to be fun, but not games that I think Kentucky can lose. And then you get to the Sweet 16, and, and it'll be interesting. I'm not convinced that you're going to see West Virginia or Maryland play Kentucky. I, that might be – there. everybody's talking about Buffalo as a potential upset. Uh, and usually when a, an upset pick, there's a one that everybody keys in on. It usually doesn't work out. But I wouldn't be shocked if you didn't see West Virginia or Maryland. And I definitely wouldn't be shocked if you didn't see West Virginia. I think Maryland is, is better. You saw Maryland beat Wisconsin at home not too long ago. Uh, Des Wells is fun to watch, an exciting uh, scorer that, that can really score from anywhere. That could be an interesting matchup. But, again, just not enough talent across the board. They do have some good players. Uh, Purdue Cincinnati West Virginia Maryland but not enough of them to really pose a threat to Kentucky and I'm kind of going through their bracket right now we're going to do more of this later but and then in the bottom half the one three seed I I thought Kentucky wanted to avoid was Notre Dame but I'm not again I'm not so that the bottom half of the bracket's going to be crazy Uh, that that's going to be the one that when you're checking your brackets after the Sweet 16 and into the Elite Eight, there's going to be a lot of red in the lower half of those brackets, in my opinion. Uh, Texas is a favorite over Butler, despite being five seeds lower. Uh, could, could Butler or Texas beat Notre Dame? Notre, Notre Dame's been shrieky at times, so certainly. you got Wichita State, Indiana. And how Indiana made it in, into the tournament period is questionable. Uh, again, a very soft and weak bubble. So the fact they got in, I wasn't shocked. But the fact they got in as a 10 seed, virtually meaning they didn't have to sweat anything out, they were in comfortably, uh it, it is mind-boggling to me. I'm not sure how that could possibly be the case. As you have it, though, they, I, I think they're, they've got a good chance against Wichita State. Maybe not the most ideal 7 seed for them to play. I, I think they maybe would fare better against Iowa or VCU not not Iowa, Iowa beat them already, not Iowa, but VCU, and there's some six and eight or nine seeds had things gone differently, maybe that would have been better matchups for them. But if they get hot, they can definitely beat Wichita State, and if Indiana gets hot, I wouldn't be shocked if they beat Kansas. The way you beat Indiana is you have a lot of size and, and, and you you overpower them inside. Kansas doesn't have that without Cliff Alexander, and especially with Perry Ellis. We'll have to see how healthy he is. Wichita State, great guard play. So (laughs) last night when I initially did my bracket, I had Indiana in the Sweet 16, and I was sleepy, and I was a little delusional. And I and I wasn't sure what I was doing, so I went. I'm going to sleep on it before I turn anything in, before making anything official. I've gone back and changed it. But I wouldn't be shocked to see Indiana and Cleveland, and wouldn't that be a regional? If you had Kentucky and Indiana, a game away from playing each other, with Indiana, a huge, huge underdog. That would be that would be something. But could it? Whoever makes it to that Elite Eight game from the bottom half of the bracket, I, I couldn't even take a guess. Notre Dame, obviously, probably your favorite, despite being the three seed. I, I, Kansas is just, they're not going to, they, they don't have it, in my opinion. Texas, you've been waiting all year for Texas to click. And usually, when you have these sort of teams where you wait all year for them to click, they never do. UConn in 2012 debatably had just as much talent as U.K., probably really didn't, but not far off. UConn in 2012, they they never clicked. Everybody's talking about, oh, Kentucky, UConn, second-round game, the Yum Center, uh, possibly nine or ten NBA players in this game. UConn goes on to lose to, to Iowa State, a good Iowa State team. Texas it, it seems like all right if it clicks for them they're going to beat Butler no problem. And then can they beat Notre Dame? Well sure. They've got a lot more size than Notre Dame. And then in the Sweet 16, who can they can beat all those teams. So the bottom half of that bracket is going to be wild and that that's probably my favorite if you key in on one part of a bracket that's probably my favorite part. Captain Arctic tweets in and says that if he would have swapped Gonzaga with Arizona, then the bracket would have been much better, just ignoring all the geography of it all. If I was a Wisconsin fan, I would be livid. First off, that Big, 12, Big Ten championship game goes to overtime, and you knew the selection committee was going to say this, where they said it didn't matter if they won or lost. They were going to get a one seed anyways. Give me a break. If Wisconsin would have lost, they did not deserve a one seed. They didn't. But whatever, that's just them trying to just showing again that games on Sunday are meaningless. So stop doing them. But anyways, Wisconsin got absolutely hosed. First off, you're in the toughest region, and and being the last one seed. Okay, maybe you maybe that's what you were supposed to expect. But they're in the toughest region, and and they shouldn't worry about their first-round game. They shouldn't worry about Oregon or Oklahoma State realistically. So then you get to the Sweet 16, and, and maybe you should start expecting to play some tough teams. But I think they have the toughest four. I think they've got the toughest three outside Notre Dame or Baylor right there. And then you certainly probably have the toughest two, them or Virginia, Arizona or Virginia. And not only do you have some of the toughest seeds in your region, you've got to go way out west to play them. You're going to play Arizona, potentially play Arizona in a Elite eight game where their fans are going to have 80% of the crowd there, if not more. And that's why I'm picking Arizona to go to the Final Four. Wisconsin's better than Arizona. But that's going to be a challenge. And, and of course, you've got the rematch factor of last year's Elite Eight game. This time, maybe Arizona does enough to get through. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Wisconsin lose to North Carolina or Arkansas. And that is one of the toughest games of the entire bracket to pick, Arkansas versus North Carolina. I haven't really fully decided on UNC. I just think they have more talented players, one through five, and a few guys on the bench. But I wouldn't be shocked at all to see Arkansas win that game, and that game's going to be in the hundreds, 120 to 120. Having gotten a lot of time to to talk about Louisville, uh, we, we'll, we'll head over to that side of the bracket. I, I don't want to break down the bracket completely. I'm kind of just touching on some highlights right now. We're going to have shows Tuesday and Wednesday. We'll, there will be more time to really go through and and, and discuss what's What I expect and who to win and in my Final Four, my championship pick. So we'll do more. We'll do that more later in the week. Uh, Just again, touching on some of the highlights here uh, of what stood out about the bracket. Uh, Wisconsin got hosed. You can't tell me that if Wisconsin would have much rather been a two seed. You know, obviously a two seed in the East, and have Villanova as your one. They may even have rather been a two-seed in Dukes region and, and get to play that game in Houston where no crowd would really have the, the, the huge crowd advantage. Instead, they get Arizona as their two out west. It's going to be a road game for them if they get there. Uh, you know, they, they're going to have to get by North Carolina or Arkansas, two teams that I think that can, that can play with Wisconsin. I don't think... I don't think Arkansas can beat them, but I think they can make it close. I think UNC could beat them. We'll see. We're going to head to our last commercial break. It's weird to say this. Usually the show's wrapping up after an hour. Uh, But new show, new time, everything's new. So we're going to head to our last commercial break. We'll come back. I'm going to talk about Louisville, uh, their disappointing ACC tournament, their road, and some more bracket talk here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. So stick around.
0: To the sports talker with TJ Walker.
1: We're back here. It turns out it's not one final segment. I'm still getting used to the ins and outs of this new expanded show. So we've got to take one more before we head out of the of the show. So don't don't hate me. Uh, I, I'm still getting used to it and uh, figuring all these things out. Anyways, uh, talking brackets. Not not giving away all my picks just yet. Gonna make you all wait a little bit longer for those Louisville very disappointing obviously in the ACC tournament Uh, cards fans seemed a bit surprised what to do with their time this weekend after the last few years having long and and deep conference tournament runs uh, one and done this year against the Tar Heels a a UNC team that really played well this weekend and in several games so no shame in losing that game. It was a game, really, I thought Louisville should have won and outplayed UNC for maybe about 35 minutes. I uh, just didn't have enough left in the tank, and I had tweeted yesterday that I thought that it was a cakewalk to the Sweet 16 for Louisville. Anthony Tace tweets into the show and says, I don't think it's a cakewalk. I'd say Northern Iowa beats them if they do play, uh, and that could be a potential second-round matchup, the cards uh, against Northern Iowa. <clears throat> it, it, I have... Seen a lot of Louisville fans tweet, finally, a break in the brackets. Louisville didn't get hosed. We have a, a, a relatively easy road. It's usually when you say that stuff where you end up not making it as far as you'd think. I, I still think Northern Iowa could make things interesting for Louisville. UC Irvine can make things interesting. This is a weird Louisville team uh, that doesn't really dominate teams or hasn't really dominate, dominated teams in a while with the exception of Florida State. But I just think talent's going to shine through in both those games. Northern Iowa, solid team, uh, a team that a lot of people don't know a lot about, a, lot, a, a team that people haven't seen play much. But they're, they're sound. They're a sound team, one through five. Not any huge weaknesses, but I, I, Louisville's more athletic. They've got more NBA players. That doesn't always mean that you're going to win. But Louisville, the better better team, so I think they should be able to beat Northern Iowa. But I I need to to step in on this myth that Louisville constantly gets disrespected by the selection committee. Not the case. Uh, Not the case at all. I would say quite the contrary, where Louisville actually gets help from the selection committee year in and year out. And Louisville fans will point to last year and say, BS, we shouldn't have been a four seed. Maybe you shouldn't have been a four seed. Maybe you, know, maybe you should have been a three. Maybe you should have been a two. But last year, Louisville had the easiest, easiest games to the Sweet 16 that you could ever imagine. Could ever imagine. And that seems to be the case for Louisville more, most years. Their first weekend has not been tough. This year, no exception. Now, Louisville fans last year want to point to having to play Kentucky. Well, that was an 8-seed. And if you're complaining about playing an 8-seed in the Sweet 16, then you kind of come off as a baby. Now, I, I get it if, if you if you step back and, and actually – you know, Kentucky was a bad matchup for Louisville. A lot of Louisville fans the one team said I, the one team I don't want to see in March is Kentucky because of their size. It's a rivalry game. You never know what you're going to get. I understand that part, but it's still an eight seed. Wichita State was the weakest one last year. We all know that. They were probably actually better than I gave them credit for, probably better than we gave them credit for. But still the weakest one. Michigan was a two, was good, but tougher teams out there. Louisville had previously beaten them in the national title game. It was an easy road for Louisville. You just ran into a, a, a hungry Kentucky team that got lucky. You really Louisville played Kentucky last year in that game for the most part. Clayby 116 it's good to hear from you. He texted and says, all I've heard is that Louisville has an easy bracket and that they can beat all those teams, but another side, they could lose to all those teams. I think they actually – had an easier bracket last year, which I'm touching on. I, I do think it was relatively easy with the exception of Kentucky, but again, an eight seed. The only team they could have lost to last year was Kentucky, and they just happened to have to play to play them in, in the Sweet 16. So, uh, Clay B. 116, and I agree. Louisville could lose to these teams. Could Again, they could lose to UC Irvine. They certainly could lose to Northern Iowa. I don't know if they could lose to Wyoming or not. But would you, you – you, you, you put Louisville as a four seed in any other region and they probably would rather have the matchups they have. They wouldn't want to play Utah in the second round if they were down in the south. They wouldn't want to play Arkansas. I wish – that would have been fun. That would have been so fun. Montrez, Harrell, Bobby Portis. I don't know who Louisville would put on qualls in that game. And then West Virginia, that'd be fun for old rivalry's sake. I think Louisville could maybe beat West Virginia, but that'd be interesting. So if, if, if Louisville's going to be a four, they found themselves in the most comfortable spot to be a four. Northern Iowa is not scaring anybody. And that's how upsets can happen in, in those scenarios, but it's Northern Iowa. So I think Louisville does have an easy bracket. Once again, they're with the easiest one, Villanova. And Villanova's... I have not bought into them all year. I, I, I'm just, I haven't bought into them all year, and I'm not, going, I'm not going to start now. I think Villanova got a pretty easy road to the Elite Eight. Villanova probably shouldn't be scared of Louisville. I think everybody in the East is feeling pretty good about their chances, and that's not right. I thought the selection committee did a pretty good job of balancing things out one through four. But the East is the weakest link. When you've got everybody feeling pretty good about their road, that's not right. But I think Oklahoma's really good. I, I think that's a team to watch out for to go to the final four. Villanova, not great. So it's the weakest one, but it's it's filled with competitive weak teams collectively. So it's actually pretty balanced, but I don't think there's I don't think the national champions coming out of the East. I don't think uh, the national championship runner-up's coming out of the East. So while it's weak, at least it's competitively balanced amongst, well, who could it be? It could be anybody. The South, Duke's got to be thrilled, as always. Now, I don't think – I've, I've, I've spoken a lot about Gonzaga and uh I, Obviously, don't think super high about them. But Gonzaga-Duke would be a lot of fun if that game were to happen. That'd be the type of game where it would be so much offense. I don't think Gonzaga would have an answer for Jaleel Okafor, and I hope that answer wouldn't be Kyle Wilcher because, oh, no. They'd have to put a rated R before the game started if that was the matchup. Kids under 17 would not be allowed to watch it. Because it would get ugly. But here's the thing. I don't know if there's anybody that can guard Kyle Wilcher on Duke. It would be high scoring. That really probably is the matchup if you're Gonzaga of who you want. Because Duke doesn't give a hoot about defense. Iowa State's a good team. But... Easy road for Duke to the Elite Eight. Georgetown's not beating them. Utah's certainly not beating them. San Diego State and St. John's not going to do it. So the Blue Devils will just backpedal their way into the Elite Eight game, and and Iowa State maybe could make things interesting. Gonzaga would be a fun game. I I don't know, again, if they would have the horses to be able to win it. I do think the the right side of the bracket is not as – not as strong as the, as the left side. But Wisconsin, without a doubt, I, really without a doubt, I think it's the biggest loser in that entire bracket. The only way they could have made that tougher is by making uh, their 8-9 game tough. And I don't know what teams you could have slid in there to do that. The 8-9 games aren't as tough as they used to be. NC State, LSU is going to be a fun eight-night game. The 8 nine games are going to be fun. I just don't know if there's any eight-nine teams that are going to be able to pull the upsets. I don't know if, it, it, if there is one, it's going to be NC State or LSU, and I don't know who to take in that game. SEC gets five teams in. John Calipari said today that if House and Texas A&M didn't get hurt, it would have been six. It probably should have just been two or three, to be honest. College basketball is down. But NC State, LSU will be interesting. I think everybody's picking NC State there, and a lot of people want to get cute and pick NC State to pick, to beat Villanova. That could happen. But I don't know if NC State's beating LSU. LSU's a lot bigger. Powerful front line. Can score in the interior. Now, I don't know if they have any answer for Cat Barber, but... Again, if basketball doesn't work out for Cat Barber, he needs to go into cutting hair for Cat's. Captain Artic says, Duke, they get all that for not winning their conference or conference tournament. Was that road win at Wisconsin really that big? And I've seen a lot of people tweet this or variations of this. I'm okay with with Duke being a one seed. I mean, they have a good resume. And it doesn't say anywhere that you have to win your conference. and It doesn't say anywhere that you have to win your conference tournament. If anything, you almost can throw the conference tournament out because people talk about how much it doesn't matter, especially if you're playing on Sunday. I know the ACC doesn't. But no, they didn't win their conference. They finished a game outside of it. They were a game behind Virginia. But their good wins are just... I mean, they stack up. A 30-point win against Notre Dame. You beat UNC twice. You win at Louisville. You win at Wisconsin. You beat Michigan State. It's just, they have so many good wins. And if they would have been a two-seed... Whatever, but I do, I, I do think they deserve to win. Did Virginia deserve one more than them? I say no if you wanted to make that argument, sure. Did Villanova deserve a, a one seed over Duke? Well, they both got him. I would have taken Duke over Villanova, but you both got him. I, if you wanted to take a one seed away from somebody, take it away from Villanova. Or you could have maybe taken it away from Wisconsin. Now, again, if Wisconsin would have lost and Virginia still didn't get a one seed, now that would have been wrong. Or Arizona didn't get a one seed, that wouldn't have been right. But I, I don't have that big of a problem with Duke not getting a one, because you don't, you don't have to win your conference. You don't have to win your conference tournament. It's not like they finished third or fourth. Captain Arctic says, but just think if they had won their conference and gotten a two, then it would have meant something. I, I, I yeah, No, I, it, it wouldn't have. I, I don't think they're putting stock, unless I'm, I'm misinterpreting what you're trying to say, they're not putting stock in whether you win your conference or win your conference tournament. They want to look at your overall body of work, and I hate using their cliche little phrases. They want to look at what you did all year long, what your big wins were, do you have any embarrassing losses? Not if you brought home some hardware. That's nice. That's not what's most important. Your wins throughout the year are. All right, now last commercial break. This time, I I promise. Uh, We're going to head out, and then we'll come back for one more segment here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Stick around. You're listening to The Sports Talker with T.J. Walker on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We're back here, 1450 The Sports Buzz. One final segment. This time I mean it. Over the break, saw that Hamptons coach, they're having a media opportunity before they take on Manhattan tomorrow in the play-in game, the first round technically. No, it's a play-in game. And the winner gets to take on Kentucky. Kentucky. Hampton's coach said that on the possibility of uh, of playing Kentucky in the next round, you better hope you have Jesus on speed dial. Uh, A a funny quote, here's the good news for Hampton. They're not going to have to worry about playing Kentucky. They're going to lose to Manhattan, and I think they're going to lose big to Manhattan tomorrow. Uh, And here's the thing. Again, Manhattan's not going to beat Kentucky. Kentucky. But, and and I don't want to compare Manhattan to some SEC teams. You know what, I will. Manhattan is no worse than Missouri this year. They're no worse than Missouri. So this, this, this could be maybe like some SEC teams, or at least one SEC team. And they've played a lot of big teams. At least big program, big team names. Not necessarily a ton of tournament teams. They've actually only played against one tournament team, Northeastern. But they played at Florida State. They played at UMass. They played at Rutgers. They played at Pittsburgh. Now, they didn't win any of those games. But they didn't lose any of those games by more than 15. Again, I'm not trying to build up a storyline for this Kentucky-Manhattan game. There's already storylines. You don't have to build that up. The storyline is... Masiello, that really changed – if he takes that job at South Florida and they find out that he – and they never find out that he didn't technically graduate from Kentucky, then Orlando Otigo could possibly still be at UK. So, I mean, there's a bunch of storylines. I'm not trying to build up this exciting, well, maybe Kentucky could be upset. They're not going to. But the game could be close for longer than a 16-versus-one should be. And this Manhattan team probably should have beat Louisville in the NCAA tournament last year, if you remember. So that could be some there. There could be some fun in that game, but they're going to crush Hampton tomorrow. Crush. It'll be fun to see again. Best time of the year. Uh, excited to be able to, like I said, to have an extra hour and talk about it. UCLA. It was mentioned on. Uh, I think somebody mentioned it in a tweet. UCLA making the tournament just a joke not going to go into it too much but the selection committee they've got a tough job and I I think this year actually was maybe a little bit better than they normally do they're always going to be there's people are going to complain all the time I get that they're going to mess up I get that I thought they did a good job this year but their explanation for why UCLA got in was just a complete a complete lie just terrible Said that they had been competitive lately. They had a strong strength of schedule, although they didn't beat any of those teams. They shouldn't be in the tournament, but they're playing SMU. SMU's not great. They might actually be able to win that game, but they're not getting out of the first weekend. Iowa State has a pretty easy road to do that, to get to that Sweet 16 in the South region. All right, thanks for listening today, guys. It was uh, enjoyable. An hour and 30 minutes from here on out. It's March Madness. This is 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll see you tomorrow.